Morning, morning, welcome to the podcast, it's Al here, sound like Derek Jameson, don't I? Morning, morning, Jameson here, did I mean that? They surely do. Do you remember Derek Jameson? No, not me. So welcome to the podcast, it's good to be chatting to you on a Sunday morning yet again, a little bit later than the normal hour, I normally record this sometime around 8 o'clock and it's 9.50, so I've had a little bit of a lie-in watching uh, YouTube videos in bed. <laughs> How decadent. So, um, yeah, so that's what I've been doing. I've, I've, I've woke up in such a way that I'm remembering the favorite, my favourite joke that I ever created. Um, and someone's probably going to get in touch and say someone else has, has created it. But maybe they did, but um, they've done it independently of me, and I've never heard it. And uh, here's, here's my joke. <laughs> here's my joke. I don't know. Shall I go into Northern, Northern comic voice? Eh, shall I? Oh, my mother-in-law. Hey, take my mother-in-law, please. <laughs> no, I'll do <laughs> I'll do it in my voice. Um, oh, there's funny things happening here. Something just beeped. I don't know if you heard that, but things beeped on my computer. Um, I can't see anything happening, though. See, that I'm getting heckled. I'm getting heckled by technology. First time I try and tell you a joke on here, and I'm getting heckled before I even start. So, yeah, here's the joke. Did you hear about the man who took a Viagra and it got stuck in his throat? He ended up with a stiff neck. Oh! Hey! I'm here all week. <laughs> I have actually got a stiff neck. I've woken up. It's it's kind of like on the on, on the right side and it, it goes all the way down to my shoulder. So as I'm chatting to you now, I'm actually rubbing... Um, the right side of my shoulder blade, which might not be the best thing to do, I don't know. So, yeah, any any masseurs, um, any masseurs, um, feel free to come over and give me a, a, a massage. Yeah, that'd be good. Um, so, anyway, how are you? Hope you've had a, a wonderful week. Hope you're having a very nice weekend. The weather was lovely yesterday, I have to say. I ended up on Freshfield Beach um, stroking a dog. Um, this dog bounded over to me, a ball of white fluff, and um, jumped up on me, and I spent a good five minutes just stroking the dog um, while its humans kind of played ball. So that was good. Um, yeah, so what have you been up to? I hope it's something good. Um, I've been doing loads of coaching again this week. Um, three days of my week were basically devoted to coaching. And I got a lovely email as well. I won't divulge the details of it, but... Uh, Got a really lovely email after one of the coaching sessions, and uh, that was really, really nice to receive, um, and quite validating as well. You know, it's nice to know that you've made made such a, a big contribution. So um, that's all been very, very good. And it's funny because I've I, I've been doing kind of like I just book things up on because I'm self employed. I don't understand. I, I forget when bank holidays are coming. Apart from May Day. And obviously, apart from when Christmas comes, I don't have any sense of bank holidays. So, and my calendar doesn't say bank holidays. So I just book things in, and then suddenly find out that the rest of the world is having a day off, <laughs> and there's me slaving away like an idiot. But um, yeah, that was good. Uh, plenty of coaching, and I've been doing loads of catch ups with people, which is nice. You know, I, I spent um, part of bank holiday with uh, Nick Perrins, who's the host of um, Radio Caroline's show, and um, I had a cup of tea with her, and uh, 
yeah, so I've been having catch ups with various people. I've got some planned in for the for next week as well. So that's really that's really nice. And uh, what else have I been up to? I don't know now. Oh yeah, I did um, folk on the dock since I last spoke to you because you remember um, last Sunday morning I did the podcast, and on the Sunday afternoon I was on the Stan Ambrose stage at Folk on the Dock Festival of Folk uh, here in Liverpool at the Albert Dock. And I was playing guitar for Katie Ellen, so that went well. Um, apart from one of my uh, harmonica solos, because we'd only, we'd only met the Monday before. It was on the Billy Butler show on Radio Merseyside on the Wednesday. And then we did this full gig, you know, on the Sunday. And um, one of the songs had an instrumental on the record, but was like a, a lead guitar thing. And uh, I decided to try something on harmonica and... Uh, yeah, it, well, the gig went well. I'm just picking on myself because I wasn't happy with my harmonica solo. But the thing about harmonica, you can play any old rubbish and it sounds kind of all right. So I guess nobody else noticed. Um, yeah, so, uh, yeah, just listen to any Bob Dylan record. Me, 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 me. I've never really been into Bob Dylan, you know. Um, everyone thinks I should be because I write sort of folky music which sort of tells a story has something to say so people always assume i'd be into dylan but i can i can never get into him because of his voice i know that's going to sound heretical to some of you but um <laughs> you know the kind of me 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 i used to do um i used to do covers um you know, to make a bit of money going back a few years and someone asked me to um to learn i shall be released which is a song i really love but i wasn't aware of the song at the time so I went on to um, probably YouTube, I think it was, and I was looking to find out how the song went. And I heard Dylan's version, and I was like, well, I like the lyrics, but I have no idea what the tune is. You know, he said, me, 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 me. I was like, what's the tune? I just couldn't, I couldn't get the tune at all. And I thought, I know what I'll do. I'll, um, <laughs> I'll, I'll look for a cover. Someone, someone's probably covered it because it's Dylan after all. And I found this cover. It was by a female singer, quite a famous one, but I can't remember who who it is now. And she did this wonderful cover, and that's where I got the tune from. And I thought, I wonder if that's how Dylan writes his songs now. You know, now he's famous and he's kind of done all the hard work of getting to the point where he's revered. I wonder if he just writes poems, throws a bit of music behind, and then goes me me me. And then waits for the tribute act. You know, he waits for the cover version. <laughs> and then he's like, yeah, that's the tune. Yeah, that's a tune. So, yeah, that's my theory about Bob Dylan and his uh, his music stuff. Um, and I might actually be writing a song. I will be. I'm gonna, I've am gonna. i decided... Um, Katie got in touch with me and said, do you want to write a song together? And she she's in a very similar kind of vein of music to me. You know, she does a lot of Americana stuff, and I'm into that. And I thought I would because my songwriting's taken a little bit of a backseat of late, and uh, I think I'm mellowing. <laughs> I think I'm getting uh, more mellow in my in my old old age, um, and so I'm finding it difficult to kind of write things from a spark of anger because. When I have those sparks, there are more sparks of empathy and understanding these days. God, it's killing my songwriting. So um, <laughs> so I want to get out my own head a little bit and, and write a, a, a few songs with people. So I've decided to do some songwriting collaborations. They've not done many of them. 
I have written songs with some people. I've written songs with Gabrielle Monk, who uh, you'll know from The Good Intentions. Um, and she, she sung uh, on backing vocals on my When the Sunlight Shines album as well. And if you came to the album launch, she was the backing singer there, Gabby Monk. So I've written a song with Gabby uh, called Esperanza, which is out in the world. Um, <clears throat> and will be on the next album, actually. Uh, I need to retweak that version because the drums don't kick in well enough. So I'm going to gonna remix it. Yeah, man, I'm going to get back in the studio and remix the song. <laughs> yes, I've written one with Gabby. Um, <laughs> oh, dear. Um, all my voices are out today. That's good, though. I, I like I like when I'm, I, I kind of throw voices in. It's fun. It's fun. Everyone should do this just in everyday life. <laughs> you know, just when you're the supermarket and you're at the checkout. Um, I just like some Finders Crispy Pancakes. Just out of the blue. Uh, who else have I written a song with? I've written a song with Ricky Tomlinson, uh, the actor, and uh, I wrote a song with him. He provided, uh, he had this like poem, basically, he had the words, and he wanted me to put some music to it. So that's something I'll, I'll have to record properly. I've got a phone recording of it that's knocking about. But I was I was his Sir Elton. No, I yeah, I was his... Hang on, how do I say this? I was the Sir Elton to his Bernie Taupin. I think that's right, isn't it? That's right, that's how they did it. He wrote the words and then Elton came up with the music. And uh, I've written a song as well with Henry Priestman and Les Glover. Now, you'll know um, we did uh, like a little um, trio. I won't say threesome. You'll get the wrong idea. Um, we just had cups of tea. There was nothing There was nothing more than that. And uh, Henry, you'll, you'll, you'll probably know, used to be in the Christians. He wrote... Um, he's, he's the one who wrote Ideal World. In an ideal world, we'll be free to choose. Yeah, so that's my 80s singer voice. But he wrote Ideal World. That's a great song, isn't it? And he wrote uh, Forgotten Town as well. So I wrote a song with him and Les called The Last Chance Saloon. And ages and ages ago, when I was but a wee boy at the age of 16, and um, I, I wrote a song that I didn't like. I like the words to it, called Train to Nowhere. But I didn't really like the, the music. And then this lad who he used to kind of um, do little jam sessions with. Nick Riley, I think his name was. God, that's dug into my brain. He wrote this kind of rock and roll tune for it. So I've written a song with him as well. But that's that's four. I think I don't think there's any others. So I thought I'll get out my own head and I'll write some songs with other people. So I'm going to... I might pop up today actually and see Katie. Or I might just veg today and do it next Sunday. But we're going to write a song together soon, and I'm going to I'm going to start bothering people. I'm going to start bothering people, and uh, hello, hello, open the door. I brought my guitar. I'm going to write a song with you, whether you like it or not. Oh, that little thing's happened. I wonder what's going on. I think what it is. You might not even be able to hear this, but a little kind of um, bloop, bloop, sort of noises. I think it might be because I've got Skype on. I had a Skype call with somebody, you see, the other day. And uh, I forgot to turn it off, so I'm going to turn it off now. And hopefully I won't get bothered anymore. I don't think you'll even pick it up. But in my headphones, I keep hearing... Bloom, as, though, as though someone's dropping, like, frogs into water. But without the ribbit thing. As though the frog's not responding, but is being dropped into water. Yeah, so... Um, yeah, I got bit by a dog earlier in the, in the in the week as well. On Monday, I got 
bit by a dog. That's how my bank holiday Monday started. And it was my own fault, I have to say. Because um, I, I tried to stroke it on the head. And I'd forgotten that when you when you stroke when you put something like on a dog's head, they don't really like it. Um because it's like a sign of dominance, you know, it's like a pack thing. And so if you try and stroke a dog's head, they sometimes they're alright, a lot of the time they're alright, but sometimes they don't really like it. So I, I, I went to stroke this dog's head and it didn't just accept the stroke. You know, some dogs just accept it and they're like, Yeah, stroke me, this is nice. <laughs> And then there's other dogs who follow the hand back, like their head goes back and their eyes looking up. <laughs> well, it was like that. And instead of thinking, oh yeah, this dog's a bit uncomfortable with something going on its head, it's like, what are you doing with me head? What are you doing? What are you doing? <laughs> That's what it did in the end. And it bit my hand, it bit me thumb. Uh, so it was my own fault. It was like that scene uh, out of um, you know, the Inspector Clouseau film. Where he, <laughs> I think he's checking in. He's checking into a room. Do you have a room? A what? A room. Ah, a room. That is what I said. <laughs> it's in that scene, I think. And there's a little dog there as he's trying to book in. <laughs> and he says to the hotel guy, he says, uh, does your dog bite? <laughs> he says, sorry? He says, does your dog bite? And the fella says, no. She says, oh, you're a lovely little dog. And the dog goes, <laughs> And so he says, uh, <laughs> I thought you said your dog did not bite. He says, that is not my dog. <laughs> oh, dear. What silliness. Yeah, we had the transfer window as well. That was Thursday, wasn't it? And Liverpool bought um, Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain who, I have to say, looked absolutely terrible when we beat Arsenal 4-0 on the Sunday. Um, but we bought him for a staggeringly stupid amount of money. And I've, I've never been that fond of him, but Klopp seems to be very good on attacking players, doesn't he? Um, so I think I'll give him the benefit of the doubt on that one. You know, so Mo Salah wasn't very good at Chelsea, was he? But he's been pretty sparkling for Liverpool. So we'll see what comes of that. And we've kept Coutinho. Um Although he doesn't really want to be there, so I'm not sure what the value of that is, keeping a player who you could have sold for £130 million, um, who doesn't actually want to be at Liverpool. And his bad back, by the way, cleared up, didn't it? Hey, he's had this bad back, suddenly he's playing for Brazil and scoring. Um, yeah, so uh, not that I'm suspicious or anything that he had a bad back in the first place. But, um, yeah, I'm glad to see the miracle recovery anyway. So... Let's see, what have I told you? I've told you about quite a few things, haven't I? I tell you what, I was a human dynamo yesterday. Oh, you should have seen me. I, I was I was like a tornado. I was I, I mopped the floor in the bathroom. Um which is no mean thing, you know. I, it's a lot to work out mopping a floor, isn't it? You have to kind of like fill the bucket. <laughs> and you have to like decide how much bleach I don't think I put enough bleach in. That's the only thing. I was hoping for a bleachier smell. So, um, yeah, I got this big bucket full of, of hot water and um, I mopped the floor. But I, I I swept it first. I got the brush and I swept it. Um, <laughs> I actually Googled how best how best to mop a, a floor. I, I did. <laughs> and it, it said you should sweep it first. I thought, that's clever. So I swept it and then I hoovered it and then I mopped it. Because I, I find otherwise your mop gets dirty really quickly. And I'm like, what am I going to do with this dirty mop now? <laughs> so 
So it, it was like a big event for me. I had to really think it through, mopping the floor. And then um, I, I sorted my bank out. I don't know if you've got this on your bank, but in order to be secure, they give you this kind of funny little calculator-looking thing at my bank. So when you log in, you then have to then go to this calculator and type in your number and then press a button and it gives you another number and then you have to type that in. God, it's a malarkey. And inevitably, the battery runs out on the little calculator thing. But you can't just change the battery. You have to throw the whole damn thing in the bin. So I went and collected another one from from my branch um, the other day. But there was absolutely no instructions. And apparently, you have to deactivate the old one that's run out of battery and reactivate it. God, it took ages. It took absolutely ages. And you know how it is now. You phone these helplines. And I was on the phone for 12 minutes just listening to really shit music. And there's no explanation. It's not like you're you're fourth in the queue or please hold. You tell them what you want, but you don't actually tell them. They they say, press one if you want this. Press two if you want that. So I pressed two because I did want that. And then immediately, with no explanation, it just kicked into shit music. Which is just bizarre, isn't it? So I'm like 11 minutes in thinking, what's going on here? One song finishes, another song starts up. That's shit as well. And uh, I did have the inkling at one point, I thought maybe we're living in some sort of topsy-turvy universe. And uh, what I really need to do is to, um, to... I need to put on Smooth FM. Maybe if I put Smooth FM on, they'll be, they'll be uh, giving me banking advice. But um, I got through in the end, so I wrestled with the bank and won. And then I, I did all my clothes and dried them and put them away. Um, and I, I, I fold them up in the Marie Kondo method. <laughs> so I don't put them in piles. It's like a bookcase of clothes. So I can just go and say, hmm, I fancy this T-shirt today. And I take it out. It's all very involved. It's all very strategic. <laughs> then I hoovered and... Did some work emails, even though it was a Saturday, and set up my studio so it's ready to rehearse, because I've got some gigs coming up. I'm in Bolton Socialist Club on the 23rd of September, and I'm uh, I'm in Glossop, Glossop Labour Club at the Defined Sessions on the 30th. So if you go to parisongs.co.uk forward slash gigs, you'll be able to get all the details of how to come and watch me. And I've set up my little studio here, so it's all ready for rehearsal. So I'm going to start doing that over the next few days, get myself reacquainted um, with some singing and playing and my songs. Because you kind of forget them. I've had a little break with the vocal wobble, um, but that seems that seems back on its feet now. So I'm, I'm going to get I'm going to blow off the cobwebs and um, do some rehearsing and, and get to know my songs again. So that should be fun. And um, yeah, what else did I want to tell you? Oh, all the improv stuff's done there uh, has has gone all right. By the way, all the uh, yeah, all the improv stuff is is going quite well. No, I'm I've set up like this Im- improvised theatre company. Well, we're really nailing the first part of the play, so the first quarter of the play, and I think we're on the verge now of moving on to the second quarter of the play. You know, moving us through to the midpoint, and we're getting like really good scenes just off a very basic suggestion. And um, we're learning all the time as to what it needs just to keep the narrative moving on. So that's going, like, really, really well. So that's kind of exciting. And, um, yeah, I don't know what else to tell you now, really. Um, Oh, I did a connecting communication course on Friday. And um, 
Sometimes as well, I'm a visiting lecturer to John Moore's University and I'll take my guitar in and I, I do stuff for their sociology department. And um, basically, it's like a musical lecture. So I'll do some songs and I'll, do, I'll give some of the social history behind it or some of the kind of political theory behind some of the ideas that I'm trying to convey. And it turns into this kind of like three-hour musical lecture. It's dead good. And um, one of the people who had seen one of the lecturers also happened to be on my Connecting Communication course on Friday. So that was a, a nice little link-up. Um, and I've got another one of them, actually, which is available for the general public on the 23rd of September here in Liverpool. So um, that's my Connecting Communication uh, course. So if you fancy that at all... Um, it's really transformational, you know. I, I, I discovered it about four years ago. And um, I just found that it's changed my outlook on the world. It's changed my life. Obviously, I'm not perfect. I'm human and I'm flawed. And I don't use it uh, as often as I would want to. But the balance has shifted where I use this so much more that it's been transformational. So if you're interested in that, it'll help you if any of the following is true, really. So... If you're someone who treats the needs of others as more important than your own, if you're one of those people, so you're, you you kind of compromise your own needs in favour of meeting someone else's needs instead, or you find yourself judging people, do you do that? <laughs> you judge people rather than finding a solution, um, or you get into arguments rather than actually getting what you want. So as you walk away, you think, well, I've still not got what, what I want, but I've just had a big load of conflict as well. Um or you find that, you know, sometimes in life you need to have difficult conversations, but you find that they don't happen, that you kind of repress them, or or when they do happen, they don't go that well. Or if um, you'd kind of like, you'd really love to find ways to reach win-win outcomes, rather than you having to win and the other person loses and vice versa, getting out of that kind of tug-of-war. Or you want more peace in your life, or... You want to get connected and, and reveal to yourself what it is that you most want in life and, and start to understand how you can actually get it. And if you want deeply connecting relationships with other people or you'd love to improve your listening skills or your empathy skills, if any of that is true for you, then this workshop will really, really help in the way that it's really helped me. So I'll be doing that on the 23rd of September. So if you if you want to find out more about that, or you want to book your place, it's limited in terms of places. I only work with small workshops at a time. But go to ticketor.com forward slash parry events. That's ticketor, so that's the word ticket, O-R at the end, ticketor.com forward slash parry events, and you'll find... All the details there for that workshop in Liverpool City Centre on the 23rd of September. Um, I did have some feedback, actually. So let's go and find uh, feedback to past episodes. Because I did get something back when I was talking about... Um, oh, what was it? I was talking about Byron Katie last week, wasn't I? I've listened to a bit more of Byron Katie, actually. And it was... She's got a podcast... And it's called The Work of Byron Katie. And so what you can hear is some interviews with her. Um, but also as well, you get to hear people who phoned in where she does like a live session with them and, and goes through the stuff. And there was one there that was um, that was really interesting, I suppose, because it was a woman who, who'd phoned in basically saying, remember like last week I said, the thing that I worry about with the Byron Katie stuff is that 
it's it almost I worry that you sell out your own needs because what she gets you to do is to inquire about your own thought and kind of let go of it. You know, it's like never mind fighting with reality. Try and let go of some of these kind of feelings. And yeah, I, I always the reason I like connecting communication so much is that when you actually get in touch with what you need, you then take a very empowered step to getting what you need. You know, you start requesting it. You make requests of yourself or you make requests of other people in order to try and get that need met. And that seemed to be kind of lacking. And it was interesting because someone actually phoned up and said, that that's how she experienced it as well. So I found that interesting that she did. And funnily enough, in the in in the in the kind of podcast episode, I, I wasn't really changed in my opinion, having listened to, to Byron Katie talk to the woman and go through the process with her and inquire around the thing that she felt as though she was selling her needs out on. It still kind of felt like she was walking away without some sort of way of trying to get those needs met. Um, it seemed to be a strategy for kind of, yeah, as I say, letting go of distressing thoughts um, rather than identifying what the needs are behind the distressing thoughts so you can actually get those needs met. So it's interesting because I, I can see that there's some value in there, but I'm 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 not persuaded yet that it's... I'm not. I'm not persuaded yet that it offers more than something like connecting communication. Um, so anyway, I was talking about that, and I got some response from that. I got a response for. Um, I got a response from Bill Ball, who left a, a, a lovely message on my website, and he said, uh, "Great rendition of Ruby Tuesday." It's funny when I do the song of the week. You know, I don't know when I'm chatting to you. Like now, I don't know what the song of the week is going to be. Because uh, I let a random, I let a random number generator um, randomly select the song, so I have all my recorded songs and this random number generator. So I could feasibly get the same song every week; it'd be unlikely. But whatever the thing says, I go with it. And so last week, it was Ruby Tuesday by the Stones, but it was my cover version of it, which was recorded live at the BBC Radio Merseyside. Um, because Radio Merseyside's been going since 1967. And so what they've been doing is um, getting their guests to come up with a hit from 1967 and doing covers. So they're trying to get 50 cover versions to celebrate the 50 years since Radio Merseyside's been running. So I went on to Billy Butler a while ago, ran about March or April, and uh, did that rendition of Ruby Tuesday that you heard in the in the last podcast so um yeah so bill has said great rendition of ruby tuesday letting go of distress and thoughts he says talking about the the byron katie stuff letting go of distress and thoughts is maybe tougher for those of us without religious beliefs in that we find forgiveness more difficult that's an interesting idea isn't it that if we don't have religious belief we find forgiveness more difficult i wonder if that's true actually are, are any of you um not religious, but feel that forgiveness comes easy to you. And I know what Bill's saying there because forgiveness, um, certainly in the in the in the Christian belief, I'm not, I'm not very well up on religions really, but I know just because I grew up in loosely in that tradition. You know, I, I wasn't a churchgoer, and my family weren't religious people. But 
just the culture. You know, you'd go to school and you'd you'd sing hem, hymns and stuff like that, and you'd learn stuff about it, wouldn't you? Whether you wanted to or not. But um, yeah, so certainly in the in the Christian tradition, we're taught to forgive. And uh, I did hear actually. I remember Bill's comments just uh, tr- you know bringing this up for me. I did hear um, an amazing story about a woman whose son was murdered and she instantly forgave the people who murdered her son. And she was a a practicing Christian. And I remember listening to this, I think it was on Radio 4 a couple of years back, and I was awestruck really that she'd lost the thing that was most precious to her and was able, and she was inspired by her religious teachings in this case, because when she was asked how this was possible, she said, well, this is my belief, this is my faith, this is my practice. But to and but it was a genuine, you know, it wasn't kind of like I should forgive, because you talked about the peace that came so quickly uh, from having forgiven the people who took away her son. But I was just awestruck and was thinking, I'm I'm not sure I'd be able to do that. In fact, I'm, I'm pretty certain I wouldn't. So that's an interesting point from Bill. Uh, letting go of distress and thought is maybe tougher for those of us without religious beliefs, and that we find forgiveness more difficult. But if we can do it, he said, it's empowering and allows us to move on. Well, yeah, because that was the case with this woman. It was like um, any hatred that she would have had for the people who killed her son wouldn't really have affected them. It would have only damaged her and it gave her great peace to be able to forgive um, so sincerely. So, yeah, I think that's 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 true. And uh, so Bill says, so we need to do it, not for those who we perceive to have wronged us, but for ourselves. Well, exactly the same point. Yeah, it's funny. (laughs) It's funny, this Bill, because uh, I'm saying things and then and then realizing that you've made the exact same point in the in the next sentence. And then he says, personally, I've never managed it. Keep the faith out. Thanks for another good podcast. Well, thanks for that, Bill. I think it's an interesting point that Um, I wonder what you think about it. Do you? Do you need religious beliefs in order to be forgiving? Um, is it easier if you have religious beliefs? Are any of you really good at forgiving? And are you religious or are you not? I'd, I'd like to hear about that, actually. There was a... I'm sure there was a, a TED radio ad. Do you know the TED Talks? These 20-minute talks by kind of influential people. Um, there was... They have a radio hour podcast where they kind of reflect and review some of the... Some of the um, TED Talks and they go back and talk to the people who gave them and give the little clips of their talk and it's like an hour long show and they did something on forgiveness maybe I'll give that another listen and um, and talk about forgiveness in the, in the next show but it'd be it'd be lovely if um, if we could take um, Bill's platform there about do we find forgiveness more difficult do we find it easy it'd be good to have a, com- a conversation around forgiveness wouldn't it I'd be interested in that anyway. <laughs> and you, you might be bored stiff by it, I don't know. But that interests me. And uh, I got something from Rika, um, who says, Dear Al, thanks for the podcast. And she was talking about, not about the um, Byron Katie stuff in this case, but she's, she's talking about, um, I was talking in the last one about when I went to my vocal coach and I, did, I have these two kind of... Um, habits which you wouldn't notice as an audience member and they're not kind of bad habits as such that they're stylistic in some ways but I could probably do with changing them so one of them is 
I will actually stretch out, almost like a tortoise stretching out its head when I go for some high notes. But what he identified is that I do that even if the note isn't particularly high. So even if I drop the song by about three tones, I'll still be kind of doing that on what is a high note relatively in the song, but well, well within my range. So it's almost like a psychological thing that I'm reaching for a note that I don't have to reach for. And then I have another thing, like I do in uh, We Can Make the World Stop, where I'm after it. I go for like a percussive timber. And so I go, every power, that power. I'm, I'm exaggerating, not on purpose. Every power that they hold. So I'm actually kind of like dropping the larynx there and then forcing the, the air past it. And it, it, it's, it is a percussive thing, but that percussion doesn't necessarily do your vocal cords much good. So, uh, yeah, back to what Rika said. She said, thanks for the podcast. Regarding reaching for higher notes, have you tried hearing intervals? So thirds, fourths, fifths, octaves in your head before actually singing them? For some people, this can be a really helpful exercise. I've done it myself and it works, say, seven times out of ten. So I think I'm just trying to think what she's... So I'm guessing that I'd sing this note but I would imagine singing, say, an octave higher or something like that. And then, because I'm doing the imagination at the same time, this note doesn't feel such a such a psychological stretch. I'm guessing that's the point she's making. Um, God, that sounds quite a mental trick, though, doesn't it? Because when I'm singing, I'm often thinking of the note that's coming, and then my voice is matching the note. So if I was thinking of a higher note... So instead of going, every power that they hold, I might go, every power that they power, every power. Th- yeah, well, I'll try that. I'll try that. But it does seem like, I wonder if I can unjumble that in my head. Because I'd have to be hearing the power and yet singing power. Yeah, interesting though that that technique's out there. I've not heard of that before. Um, let's say there's more also hourly Imagining the note a semitone or even a tone above the one you're actually reaching for and then dropping down onto it when actually singing out the note, which is a similar thing, really, but that can also often help. So, um, yes, she says, apologies if I'm telling you anything you've actually known for ages and already do. No, I don't know that. Um, I've never heard of that technique before. I can see how it makes sense, but I wonder if my simple mind, because uh, I do have a simple mind, I wonder if I'd be able to actually hold those two notes in my head. See, I'm not, I reckon the harmony singers would probably be able to do this much better, but I've always been like a lead singer and I'm not a natural harmony singer. You know, like Gabby, who I mentioned earlier, who wrote the song with, or Barry Briarcliff as well is another one. Um, You know, they just sing harmonies along. It's like, it's, it's just like second nature to them. They're really, really skilled at that, but, um, Always been a lead singer. I've never really, I don't know. I've never, I've never been someone who just drops into a harmony. If I'm if I'm singing with a band and I'm doing a harmony, I have to learn the harmony as if it's the lead line, you know, and then just kind of relearn the song. And that's the that's the thing that I sing, and that's the thing that gets embedded in my head. And I'll practice it for a while in order for it to stick. Um, so maybe harmony singers who are skilled at harmony, maybe someone like Barry or Gabby would be able to kind of hold those two notes in the head, reach for the top one, but actually sing the other one. And then psychologically, it's not a reach anymore. Because that is what I can understand why this helps, because that is what's going on for me. 
I do actually, because um, even when I'm in my boots, I'm still reaching for the highest note, even though it's well, well within my range, you know. So, um, yeah, I'll give that a little try, I think. I'll give that a little try. See how it goes. So I love getting your comments, sending your comments and your thoughts and all that kind of thing. Um, let me know what you think about forgiveness because I'd be interested in uh, having a little talk about that. There is something within connecting communication which um, which is helpful of forgiving oneself, but also actually would help in forgiving others too. <clears throat> and it works like this, basically. It starts from the principle that whatever we do, no matter how costly it is, no matter how someone might look at our strategy and not like our strategy, whatever we do, we're doing it to try and meet our needs. And so when we're looking back at something um, regretfully and we're kind of beating ourselves up for the way we acted in a situation, the first thing that you've got to notice is that when we acted in that way that we're now regretting, we were simply trying to meet our needs. So the first step is to get in touch with what those needs actually were and recognize that you were acting out of those best intentions, really, just trying to meet your needs. So what were they? Because you must have been doing them for a, to, to meet needs because why would you do something so costly for no good reason? So the good reason is you were trying to meet your needs. So... That's why you did the thing in the first place. But now as you reflect on what you did, you're obviously not quite happy with what you did because you're beating yourself up about it. So what needs did you offend in that process? You know, what needs um, were not met? So while you were trying to meet these needs here, the strategy you chose may have met those, but in the process created some other needs that were were kind of breached, were kind of offended against. And then what you can do is you can kind of forgive yourself there by thinking of, in this same situation, what strategy could you come up with which was less costly? In other words, which ensured that not only did you meet the needs that you were pursuing in the first instance, but also met the needs that you've offended by that particular strategy. Yeah, that's a good way to, to forgive yourself, I think, because... It gets you in, rather than just kind of judging yourself, it gets you in touch with what's alive in you. And it's very educational and revelatory in that sense. Um, and you can then start coming up with a, a, a more creative way of getting your initial needs met in such a way that is not costly to other needs that you have as well. So maybe that could be a jumping off point for you in terms of forgiving yourself. Um but let me know, you know, I'd love to I'd love to hear what you have to say. Right, I think that's me babbled on long enough. It's uh it's time for the song of the week. Lovely to chat to you as ever, and I'll see you next Sunday on my weekend check-in podcast. Tati, bye everyone. Yeah.
Some are true Many of them came from you 